0: I was raised in, in kind of a religious environment where, you know, it was taught to me that, um, you know, having integrity and serving and, and being helpful and friendly and kind, you know, these are very important things. Um, and I'm not religious, uh, in the traditional way now, but I really think that, that, that something is there that, that you that people matter. Right. Even if we just evolved, we still matter. You know, it, a, a person is a person, um, and you know, no, no matter what color their skin is, or what gender they are, or where they came from, they're still just as valuable as me. Um, and it, it, it's just there's something to that. The giant
1: thinker. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Ram Castillo. And in this podcast, I'm bringing to you top experts from various industries worldwide to learn from their success and to help us become better designers, creatives, and giant thinkers. Hello, Giants. Ram here. Welcome to episode number 58. Our guest today is a father, a husband, and an inspiring entrepreneur widely known as the founder and CEO of Treehouse, which is an online technology school that offers beginner to advanced courses in web design, web development, mobile development, and game development. I absolutely love Treehouse because their courses are hands-on in teaching people how to code for a career in the tech industry. Some of the topics we spoke about in this episode include the many businesses that existed prior to bringing Treehouse to fruition, advice for anyone wanting to create an app or online tool, The power of beginning with the end in mind and setting boundaries to ensure time with family is protected. If you're someone who is interested in connecting the dots between your thoughts and creating a product around those thoughts, then this is absolutely for you. Now, before we dive in, just a gentle check in slash nudge. Many of you know how much I want you to succeed in anything that's fulfilling to you. And a big part of putting your best foot forward is, of course, finding mentors. Mentors act as a compass to help navigate all areas of our lives, whether that be professional development, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and personal. We can all cut the guesswork, see the blind spots, and succeed faster with a mentor. And not just one, mind you, but as many as you'd like. So if you're having trouble finding a mentor, make sure you grab a copy of my second book, How to Get a Mentor as a Designer, where I break down how in 12 steps. It's available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats. You can buy a copy for yourself or a loved one at gettingamentor.com. Again, that's gettingamentor.com. All righty, let's begin. I present to you the highly accomplished, hardworking, and disciplined Ryan Carson. Ryan Carson, welcome to the Giant Thinkers Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you going today, mate?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited.
1: Awesome. All right, we're going to dive straight into an icebreaker question. Yours is uh, I've read that you're a lover of movies. So what's a movie you've enjoyed in the last three months that you'd recommend?
0: Uh, I'd have to say, even though a lot of people hated it, I loved The Last Jedi. So oh. uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, you know, I grew up watching Star Wars. Um, I actually saw Empire Strikes back in the cinema, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> that is possible if you're, <laughs> if you're 40 years old. So, um and I just liked it. I mean, it was a little different, um fun, interesting. You know, I didn't like a couple of things, but on the whole I thought it was a fun extension of the universe.
1: Yeah, very cool. I'm a huge fan of Star Wars, so that's that's awesome. Uh, funnily enough, I watched speaking of going back a bit, I watched the first uh, one of the first uh Bruce Lee films. I think it was Enter the Dragon or something like that, 1973. I watched that on television uh, just the other night. Amazing. Amazing film. There you go. Goodness me. Very (laughs) good. So, uh, Ryan, uh, where would you say your expertise lies?
0: Um, Well, I started off as a developer, um, a a web developer, and then became an entrepreneur. And uh, I think my expertise lies in how to connect creative thoughts with creating a product around those thoughts um i've been kind of learning that and practicing that since i started uh, my journey as an entrepreneur in 2004 Um, specifically i'm an expert in how to create developers uh you know folks want to get in the tech industry um i know how to get them there and then how employers uh, can hire them so that's kind of my expertise
1: Beautiful, and we're going to dive into the details around all that uh, shortly. For a bit of context, can you tell us a little about your childhood and how you grew up?
0: Sure. So, grew up in America um, in a state called Colorado, and I uh, was raised by two wonderful parents. Um, have three sisters, and kind of an all-American family, really. Um, you know, played basketball and tennis and and was in the Boy Scouts and had a very kind of perfect, wonderful, uh, childhood. I'm very thankful for that. And I'm grateful for that every day. Um, and we had a computer in our home. Um, it was, I think an Apple two E and, um, and I played, you know, uh, hilariously simple games on it. You know, you would load in a floppy disk and you would play like text based games where there was no graphics at all it was just you know say uh, do you want to go through the door you know and you type yes and then you go through the door and it says you're in a dark room and and there's a there's a growling noise you know do you go right or left you know <laughs> so um grew up doing that kind of fun computer stuff but but um you know and, and very lucky to have access to computers at that age and then uh in high school my uh teacher said to me hey you know do you know that you can control computers with this thing called programming and uh, i was like wow no way really how does it work and she said well we have a class you can take and so um i i thought i'm gonna take that uh sounds fun and so that's when my whole world expanded into the world of of programming and technology and and computers and and uh that really is one of the reasons why i started treehouse my company um so it's fun to think you know that Seed was placed way back in uh, high school.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I love uh, that very instance when people are introduced to something that becomes a clue to what they end up pursuing for a good part of their life. Um, yep. Let's dive into that seed a little bit. So you had this teacher who introduced you to that. How old would you have been? Do you think?
0: Uh, when that? How old was I when that happened? I yeah. think probably fifteen, maybe.
1: Yeah, wow. That's incredible. I mean, yeah. The I mean, obviously there's a huge comparison to the languages and the uh programming tools back then even um until from now. Um not suggesting anything there, but <laughs> you know, it's it's it was probably mm-hmm. not easily um accessible nor was it something that people were uh, overly exposed to versus now. Yeah. Um So I'm just trying to kind of gauge, you know, when I get a lot of questions from the audience during Q&A of um, being stuck, not knowing what to choose to Mm. do. So there's a first assumption there that um, there's a lot of, there's a stigma that people feel coming out of the gates, out of university, let's say, that they have to specialize in something
0: right? Yeah. Which couldn't be further from the truth. Mm. Um, and, and I think our university system and college system is kind of broken in that sense. Um, so this is another thing I'm really passionate about. I, I think that, uh, in the future, a lot of jobs are essentially going to be trade jobs. And what I mean by that is, you know, a human performing, a specific skill um, that they can do with with expertise that you know provides value, um, like carpentry or marketing or coding or uh, you know creative writing. I mean, these are all trades, and we've gotten confused into this idea that in order to be successful, you have to get a degree, uh, so that you can sort of round yourself out and have all this experience. But the the truth is, um, that's not how humans have made a living for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. Um, and and instead I think we should encourage people to come out of high school and try to do various things to make a living. Um, you know, so if you're passionate about building things, why don't you become a carpenter? Or if you love, um, floristry, why don't you become a florist, you know, or if you're interested in making apps, why don't you learn how to code? Um, and you can do all those things without taking on student debt. Um, and, uh, what we're seeing is that a lot of people are realizing there's all these amazing jobs in tech and they don't actually need a degree to get them. Um, they can actually teach themselves how to code, you know, while their kids are sleeping or while they're on lunch break um, and then ease themselves into this new career without taking a lot of student debt. So um, I also think, you know, you don't have to know exactly what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Um, I say this all the time, but, you know, I have a very deep why every day and that my why is that I want to help create the future of education so I can change as many lives as possible. But I only discovered that when I was around 32, um, and so I had multiple jobs and I created multiple companies before that age, and that's okay. So I think there's a lot of pressure for people to to find their why and know exactly what they're supposed to do and and be perfectly motivated all the time. And and I think life is kind of messy, and uh, and you need to have a much longer term uh, view.
1: Mm-hmm yeah love that i agree totally because uh i feel that uh there is this perception that if you're not doing something for decades that you know you're a failure but gone are those days where our ancestors you know worked as bakers for 45 years or more you know or their entire life right. you know we live right. in a world of hyphens and i think it's yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's something that I'm really passionate about, too, because um, the idea and I, I'm, I'm being on the 80/20 rule, you know, do 20 percent of things that give you 80 percent of the results that you're after right. and, and all those things. And I think it's kind of like, why not? Who says that you can't break those rules in a way or those convent, those traditional conventions? Um, and it's the same thing I've I done with writing. I've not been a formally trained writer now released two books the podcasting this right now just basically google the shit out of it and now i've got (laughs) you know a bit of background certainly no audio engineer but i definitely have the basics down pat um and then you learn as you go um nice and and i think that's the beautiful thing about treehouse as well uh which we'll dive into in a sec uh before we do i'd love to chat about three other products that you created yes that's three guys um (laughs) Three other products uh, that you started before Treehouse and those three products being DropSend, Amigo, and Carsonified Events, which you sold a while back and uh, now um, acquired. Um, But for the listeners, can you describe what those three products are and how they came about?
0: You bet. Uh, So the very first... um Product I made was actually a precursor to DropSend. So, I was a web developer at a uh, at a web design company in London. Actually, so I, when I graduated from Colorado State University, um, I actually thought, you know, I want to go live somewhere else to test my worldview and see, you know, what happens when I move somewhere where nobody knows me and and uh, they have somewhat of a different belief system. So moved to, to England and got a job as a web developer and, um, and worked and worked and worked as a web developer, did that for about four years. Um, and we had this problem where we couldn't send large files, you know, so this was 2000 to 2004 and you could only email files that were two megs. And, um, it was just, frustrating you know we had these large pdfs or large uh, photoshop files we had to 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 get somewhere and we couldn't so i thought you know i bet i could build a web app that would solve that problem and um at the time um 37 signals which is now called basecamp had come out and launched their product and basically promoted this idea of you know software as a service pay monthly um and it was a newer concept. I mean, yes, Salesforce existed, but it was they were really the ones that popularized this idea that hey, anybody can uh, learn how to code and anybody can build a web app and start charging money for it. Um, you know, do it in your in your free time on the side. And then uh, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to build a, a solution to that. So I had learned PHP, uh, which is a programming language, and um, and I kind of hacked together this solution. And after a while, I thought, you know what, I bet I could sell this as a as a monthly uh, recurring revenue product. Um, and I'm just gonna see if I can do it. And part of it was just, you know, this kind of naive optimism um, I have and had. So I looked at my boss and thought, I could do what he does. You know, it doesn't look that hard. And, uh, and thought, you know, I'm just gonna try it. So quit my job as a developer and launched the product. And it was called Flight Deck. And, um, and I would also just got married at that point. So got married to a wonderful British woman, decided to stay in England, and uh, started my first company. Um, and it was me in, in, a, in my bedroom. I mean, it was not you know some Silicon Valley you know, funded thing. Um, and I priced it totally wrong. Uh, I priced it way too high. I think it was around $500 a month. Oh, and wow. so, <laughs> w- w- which means really you kind of need a sales force or at least proper marketing. Um, I just thought, you know, I would put, you know, uh, the landing page up and people would start converting. And, uh, so I learned the hard lesson that uh, people don't really usually land on a page and sign up for a $500 product. Usually, I mean, they can, but, um, it was really going to take a sales cycle to do that, and I, I kind of struggled and worked hard and tried to figure it out for a year, and uh, and and finally just had that terrible moment when uh, I realized this is not going to work. Um, you know, something has to change here, and um, you know, and 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 talked to my wife about it and said, you know, this is embarrassing to say, but this thing that I thought was going to you know, blow up and turn this amazing company really is just barely getting by. And uh, so, a
1: bit of background, sorry to interrupt. Do you quit your job and started that?
0: Yeah. So wow. I, I, I had one customer that paid me instead of monthly, they paid me a one-time fee to use mm-hmm. it forever. So I, I think it was around 3000 pounds, um, uh, sterling pounds. And so that was enough. I thought, you know what, that's like maybe three months of, of pay if i really squeeze you know and and so i'm just gonna quit my job and, and i've got three months to figure it out um and you know it's was fortunate my wife had a job so she was able to, to cover the rent if it really went bad um and so just launched it and and uh, <laughs> learned a lot the hard way and and eventually just realized you know what i Either really have to double down on this thing, this this company I've started, or I need to figure something else out. And uh, and what's interesting is I decided, you know, I'm not really that passionate about sending large files. Like I I really don't want to, you know, go to the mat and get you know bloody and battered, you know, (laughs) for this. It's just my why wasn't deep enough. Um, So we had a new idea, and uh, and I'm not ashamed to say I also stole that from Basecamp. Um, so they launched a conference called How We Built Basecamp. And uh, and it was a one-day workshop where people would show up and learn from 37signals uh, and how they launched a web app and charge money for it and make a business out of it. And I thought, you know what? Um, I know a lot of smart people on the internet that have made a name for themselves. I could invite them to, to speak at a, a workshop and uh, we could do something similar. Um, so let's launch a workshop on how to build a web app and uh, we launched it. We got a great speaker and it sold out. And so basically pivoted to a brand new business and launched our first workshop in it and it did work. Um, so that was thrilling and exciting. So we did another one and it sold out and did another one and and it, it really started working. You know, people needed to learn how to, how to become a developer. Um, back in this time because really all you had were books. The internet really wasn't used as a learning tool very much. Um I mean you could google things but there wasn't there wasn't a site like Treehouse, right? Um so that took off and and eventually um that that became Carsonified. So Carsonified was basically a a, a training company. Um and we did conferences and workshops all around the world. Um we eventually you got big enough, I sat my wife down or she sat down with me and, and, and I said, you know, I'd, I, I, I want to pitch the idea of you quitting your job and, and joining uh, the company and, <laughs> and let's work together. And, you know, she kind of thought it was crazy. Um, she had this amazing job as a senior, uh, as a uh, senior editor at, at a, at a publisher and she was really high up and, and had uh, really achieved a lot as a, as a journalist. But eventually, said, you know, it sounds fun. Like we could work together, we could travel together, and and uh, so she did it. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. And and we worked real hard from 2000, basically five to uh, 2008 together. Uh, and then we had our first bambino. <laughs> um, and my wife said, you know what? I think I want to be a full time mom. And so she uh, bowed out of the business to do that and um and that was our so that was our second business um and i can carry on if you want and tell you about the other ones or we could shift
1: no i love this i love this this is good this is important stuff i think uh cool the more details um that we get the i better. think the better for everyone because you know you look at someone as as established as yourself and having a huge organization uh treehouse under your belt i really love this storytelling because it demystifies any assumption that it was easy or given or uh, not not that people are thinking that but you know just completely looking at what really happened
0: together people it's easy to think that you know Everything was clear. <laughs> mm,
1: exactly, that's a better way of putting it. Absolutely.
0: You know, and this is something I really learned is that you know none of us really know what we're doing. Right. And everyone that we think is successful, um, you know, didn't know they were going to be successful. Still doesn't feel safe in their success. You know, still doesn't know if they're going to continue to be successful. It, it's just a, a myth. You know, and and it's fake, right? So. So this is what was happening the whole time. I mean, it, it's, it feels like you're stumbling around in, in, in the dark, you know, you, you have a light and you, you, and you can see a little bit in front of you and you know, kind of roughly where you're going and, and you know, that the mountain is that way. Right. But I mean, every, every step is, you know, there's some sort of trouble, um, and challenge. So, so that's what was happening. You know, we were, this idea f- was working you know we we're doing more and more workshops and more and more conferences but the reality was every single workshop that we launched we were worried that it wouldn't sell out you know and and you there'd be a bit of panicking at some point where gosh the seats aren't selling as fast as they, they should what do we do and um and there was real highs and real lows i mean you know there was a couple times um when i was running that business where uh you know we would have a rough patch where an event wasn't selling enough tickets. And, uh, and we had put a lot of money in them. You know, we started doing larger and larger conferences where there was 800 attendees or 1,000 or 2,000 attendees. And, you know, you would have to spend up to, you know, half a million dollars putting on an event. And you wouldn't really know that you were going to be profitable until, you know, a couple weeks out from the event. And sometimes not even until, you know, the day of the event and it was extremely stressful and uh, there was there was one time where i thought we were going to go out of business and um and you know my bookkeeper showed me the numbers and i remember i felt physically sick mm. you know i actually thought i was going to throw up um because there was all these employees around you know and and uh and they were relying on me and uh so that was scary you know i had to go home and tell jill hey we can't buy christmas presents this year like, we are literally we might go out of business that's wow. a fear
1: I have too, if I was to start a business of that degree, how, yeah. how did you navigate through that?
0: Um, you just, it's like getting punched in the face. I mean, <laughs> you just kind of, you, you just have to deal with it. I mean, it's either you, you know, quit and you, and you lie down and you get knocked out or you just kind of try to stay on your feet, you know? So it, it it was very much like, okay, what do we got to do? You know, let's, let's try to make a plan. Let's figure this out. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes things don't work. And, um, you know, sometimes we had to let people go cause we couldn't, you know, afford to keep the same amount of people. And sometimes we had to change things, but in the end, you know, the business grew and it, and it, um, it helped connect me to, to really great folks and build out my network. And we were eventually able to sell the business, um, And, and that was great, you know, so it's just not a straight path, you know, and, um, and I have to keep reminding myself that, that, uh, you know, no matter what I'm doing, it's, I need to have a long-term perspective because day to day I'm going to have losses. Yeah. That's, Um, that's
1: something that just stood out when you said, uh, in the end, dot, 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 uh, because I think when, uh, and we'll talk a bit about the word end because it's a part of a, a talk that you did at ninety nine u but um, the the thing that sprung to my mind was when you said in the end we really have to look at things from a large sample of time rather than that year and or, or, or you know that that moment uh, it's so easy for us to isolate ourselves isn't it when we look at a, a micro level of look this year it's a bit terrifying the numbers don't add up um but collectively with perhaps all your other ventures and all your accumulated um revenue to date um that is still probably above average than most people who start businesses and they just fail on the first year
0: yeah Well, and it's, it's uh, this idea of, you know, this is my fourth or fifth business, however you look at it. I mean, and, and, uh, I think you just have to have this really long-term perspective, you know, that, Hey, I'm going to do something that matters eventually. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm not going to stop until I do that. Um, and it's really frustrating when things go bad and when you make mistakes and, and things don't work out. And I felt all of that, you know, uh, there's been hundreds, if not thousands of times that I wanted to quit, um, mm-hmm. or felt like I was in over my head or, or felt, you know, unqualified, you know, and, and I think ultimately there's something inside me that, that, uh, drives me to somehow make the world a little better than, when I was born, and to help a meaningful number of people.
1: Where do you think um, you got that quality from?
0: Um, I think it's come somewhat from how I was raised. Um, I was raised in, in kind of a religious environment where, you know, it was taught to me that, um, you know, having integrity and serving and, and, being helpful and friendly and kind, you know, these are very important things. Um, and I'm not religious uh, in the traditional way now, but I really think that, that, that something is there, that, that, we, that people matter, right? Even if we just evolved, we still matter. You know, a, a person is a person. Um, and, you know, no, no matter what color their skin is or what gender they are, where they came from, they're still just as valuable as me.
1: Mm. I think it's um, the it, uh, the great Tony Robbins who said uh, the ultimate way of living is giving.
0: Yeah, mm. it, it's just there's something to that, and so I think ultimately, uh, for some reason, I I won't be satisfied unless I feel like what I've built actually helps people at a scale that matters, right? So I think that just kind of keeps me going, you know, and that's why I'm so passionate about Trios now. I, I think what we built has the ability to to change eventually millions of people's lives. So I, so I'm just not going to stop, you know. Um, but you know the 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 other businesses I've run, I didn't feel exactly that way about. Um, and you know I was able to to continue pushing through and learn and grow, but ultimately those businesses, you know didn't have that underlying meaning that was important to me.
1: And how did you get to acquisition stage, Ryan? Did you actively look at that as part of your exit strategy at
0: some point? Um, so I, I've never started a business with the idea of selling it. Mm, okay. um, I've, I've always started a business because I believe there's a problem to be solved and I was interested in working on it. Um, and I really don't like this mentality this seems to be popular today of, of, you know, as soon as you tell someone about your business, they talk about, they ask you, well, what's your exit strategy? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, I don't, I don't need one. I, I actually want to work on this problem. I think it matters, you know, and I think we can build a profitable, sustainable company. Like that is actually the way the world should work. So anyway, um, the, the two businesses that I've sold, um, one was, uh, drop send, which was, Essentially, an evolution of Flight Deck. So, Flight Deck failed. Um, I kind of shelved it, um, you know, wound it down, and and then started up Carsonified. Carsonified succeeded. You know, it wasn't you know a unicorn thing. It was just a decent small business. We had you know 15 employees and a couple million in revenue. Um, and then we used some of our cash flow to relaunch uh, Flight Deck as Drop Send, and 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 made it a freemium model. So the idea was, oh, people that want to send files don't want to pay to do that. Um, so why don't you let them send a file or five files for free? And if they want to send more than that, then let them pay, um, which is obvious in hindsight, <laughs> as everything is. Um, hmm. And so we, we, we relaunched it and it worked. And, and it's kind of obvious. I mean... Every time you send a file to someone, it's in, it's in an email with a download link. And in that email is an ad. Hey, this was sent with sent. You know, do you want to send large files for free? And so it just grew like a weed, you know. Mm. Um, but, you know, like every business, it, it, it hit its plateau where it wasn't growing like a weed without, you know, a lot of focus and a lot of attention. And so when it kind of plateaued and I realized, okay, if this becomes if this is a real business, then I I need to, you know, I need to hire employees. I need to invest in it. You know, I, I got to make it a thing. It was really a side product of Carsonified. Um, and it was doing well. I mean, I think we were earning like $25,000 a month on it. Um, so I just decided, you know what? I don't want to make this into a proper company, um, into a big thing. Uh, I want to sell it. Um, and so in a hilariously naive fashion I I posted on my blog <laughs> I'm selling Drop Send and the price is a million dollars. <laughs> and so Love it. <laughs> well, because I thought, hey, you know, why not Why not at least kind of create some PR and, and some excitement around this process of and, course, yeah. uh, you know, maybe create sort of a, an auction type environment and it absolutely did not work. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, nobody wants to be, uh, to go publicly through an acquisition process. Like it's, it just doesn't work. I mean, you know, the company that's buying doesn't want everyone to know the company that's selling, you know, doesn't want everyone to know. It's just, it, it kind of doesn't make any sense, but I learned a lot. Um, <laughs> and eventually, um, this guy came along and he said, you know, I want to buy DropSend. And I thought, okay, great. And, uh, and he was sort of a serial entrepreneur, um, And, um, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think I said, you know, well, we were looking for a million bucks and he said, well, it's not going to happen, you know, and I'm going to counter with this offer. And it was way below that. And, um, and he, he played an interesting trick on me that I I credit him for now. (laughs) Uh, in in hindsight, it's a little shady, but uh, it's not wrong. And he said, you know, uh, I, well, you know, I know you're not happy with the price. Let me go back to the board and see if I can get a better price for you. Um, and what I learned in hindsight is he didn't really have a board. I mean, uh, he was on, he he was on the board, but it was basically just him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he said, "Well, the board board won't really budge, but I, I got him to do a little better." And you know, he's kind of good cop, bad cop, you know, sort of. Uh, um, methodology and it worked. I was like, Oh, you know, this guy's my buddy. He's trying to get me a good deal. And, (laughs) and all right, we'll take this deal. And it was still decent money. You know, we, so we basically sold it and, and we're able to, you know, put a little bit of money back in the business and then, you know, redo our kitchen. Right. Mm. Um, and it's, and that was interesting, you know, but it certainly wasn't some sort of story you read about on TechCrunch where, you know, (laughs) something was acquired, you know, by Google and X, Y, Z. Um, and so I sold that business. And eventually, um, uh, we were running Carsonified, and I decided, you know, this business is great because I'm helping people and by teaching them, you know. So people come to the conference or the event and they learn, and then they are empowered and excited and connected, and that makes their life better. But after doing it for about five years, I realized this business isn't going to scale very well. Um, and I'm, I'm going to be limited to, to the number of people I can help if I do this forever. So, you know, realistically, we were touching maybe, you know, five to 10,000 people max per year, um, you know, that would attend our conferences. And, it, and for me, that just wasn't enough. Um, I thought, you know, I've only got one life. And for whatever reason, that number of helping that number of people, you know, in a kind of a mild way just doesn't make me happy. Um, I want to truly help, you know, hundreds of thousands of people or millions, you know, and I I don't know why that matters to me, but it does. So we, we, I sat out with my wife and I said, how can we take what we do, this in-person teaching and how do we scale it? How do we actually, you know, touch, you know, hundreds of thousands of people's lives? And, um, she said, well, why don't we just hire a teacher and film them and put them on the internet? (laughs) <laughs> and i was like yep there we go all right let's just do that um and so we basically used money from carsonified to bootstrap treehouse and we hired our first two teachers uh, nick pettit and jim hoskins and we you know built it with with money in the bank that we had from carsonified and we launched it and uh and because we had done you know Five years of work building a community in the web design and web development space. Um, we we launched the product into that community, and because of that five years of hard work, it was an overnight success. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know the signups took off, and and we knew we were on to something exciting. <clears throat> so at that moment, I was like, I got to sell this this uh, events business because. I want to focus 100, you know, on Treehouse, and so this time I learned my lesson and uh, used a business broker to sell the events business because you know an events business is not a, really a tech company, you know it, it, it's it's a known thing, um, it's a there's a pretty straightforward way to sell it, you know so um, so we went to a business broker and they helped us find a buyer and negotiate a price and um, and we ended up selling that business uh, to a company in Boston. And, and that was a decent, you know, process. I mean, you know, uh, often entrepreneurs will talk about when they sell a business that, you know, did you get a new car, a new house or a new life (laughs) from the money? And it was kind of like a new house type, you know, sale. Um, like it was great, you know, but, and and I'm very, very, very thankful for that, but it wasn't some wild, you know, make me wildly rich type thing. Um, but it, but the better thing it meant is that I could focus on Treehouse,
1: awesome. and
0: so, so really, really just went, you know, all in at that point. That was two thousand ten or eleven.
1: So two thousand ten slash eleven, you started Treehouse. Uh, for the listeners, uh, you've heard me recommend Treehouse in in some previous episodes before. Um, it's an online school that takes adults. Uh, from zero to job ready in as little as six months by teaching them how to code. It's Brilliant. got over... I've done my research, Ryan. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and it's very important too. Um, and, and I am actually uh, a fan of, of Treehouse. Um, and it's you guys, if I'm not mistaken, have over 110 employees now or even more?
0: Uh, we, we have... It's actually sort of 90-ish.
1: 90-ish um, at the moment. Okay. Yeah. And, so. and you have uh almost 300,000 students worldwide
0: Yeah, we've we've actually taught over 800,000 oh, wow. students over over the past um gosh, what is it 7 years now? Amazing. Um and and we've got 80,000 enrolled students right now. So, we, you know, we're larger than most universities here in America. So, it's it's fun. I mean, it's it's great. I, I basically, like Warren Buffett said, I skip to work every day. I just, I, I can't believe I get to do this as a job.
1: I love oh it. man, so good. Okay, so you told us that Customified Events had the database which helped you launch uh, Treehouse because it was uh, almost like a, a match made in heaven in a way in terms of the um, type of vertical that you were mm. um in that they were both in the education space, I guess. Uh, yep. But the the Treehouse platform—it uh, sounds easy to say, "Oh, just record a instructor and mm. put that on the internet." Um, right. But it's actually it actually takes a lot of planning and research and effort to make that appealing enough to be watched. Um.
0: Yeah, it is hard.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I myself have been on Creative Live twice, and so cool. I've seen. Nice. Yeah, it's, yeah and, and and thank you. It's a, a huge production behind these courses.
0: Um, it is,
1: and, yeah. and I'm sure the same with Treehouse. So, how did you build that platform, and how long did it take?
0: Um, we basically just taught ourselves. Um, so we knew nothing about making video um, courses, literally nothing. Um, the only experience we had was creating, um, videos of our conference talks and which is very different thing. Um, so like anything, you know, uh, anyone who's built something huge started off uh, as an infant knowing nothing, right? I mean, all knowledge is learned, you know, throughout your life. So I think that's another thing people should really hear is that, you know, we didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. Or we're still learning. Um, and, and essentially, I, I hired two teachers that had a very simple video show. I mean, it was literally, you know, a camera, a white sheet, and and a light, right? And I said, okay, you you have this very basic video show. Like at least you know how to edit, you know, actual video. Um, so let's try to figure it out and we knew what we needed to teach. Okay, so it's like we need to teach you how to become a web developer or a web designer. We know what that means because, um, you know, Nick and Jim were both web designers and web developers. I was an ex-web developer. So we knew the skills we needed to teach. So then the idea is, well, let's break those skills down into chunk, you know, smaller chunks, and then let's write a script and then let's, you know, record the script and um, let's just see if it works, you know. And so we started off, you know, and, and if we, if you saw one of our videos now compared to our current ones, I mean, it would be painfully, you know, <laughs> terrible. Right? Yeah. And that's not, that's not an indictment on Nick and, or Jim or myself. I mean, it's just, it's where we are at, you know?
1: Oh no, I'm um, laughing because same thing with my first ever talk, uh, right. that I played back, you know, and I've done over 60 talks around the world now and I watched the first one and I cringe and, and somewhat similar to the first podcast episode too. So I think, You got to go through that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And it's okay. I mean, you know, and, and go, I actually enjoy to, to go down a side road here. I actually enjoy going back and listening to the first or second episode of any famous podcast. Mm. So if you, I'm not a fan uh, of, um, of Joe Rogan per se, I mean, but he's very popular. Um, and if you go back on his first podcast, it's hilarious. I mean, it's so (laughs) Uh, it's just so not professional or, and, 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 uh, anyway, fast forward now and he's, he's big deal and or, you know, Tim Ferriss or Tony Robbins or anyone really just go way back in time and look what they did first. And it's laughable. Um, and that shows, okay, if you have a long-term perspective and are willing to do the work, you eventually can build something great. Um, so now, I mean, Treehouse is, I believe the best online school in the world and, I say that because we've been working our tails off for seven years, right? Um, but seven years is actually hilariously short when you think about it. I mean, you know, uh, we're not even ten years old as a company, right? And you know, I intend to do trios for a long, long time. So I'm really excited about where we could be in twenty years. You know, That's amazing. Uh, so,
1: so, Ryan, yeah. uh, what crucial advice would you give? For developers, designers, or anyone really looking to create an app or some type of cloud-based software or online tool,
0: um, I would say you can learn how to build it yourself is my first tip. Um, you really don't need, you know, to, to hire a, a developer or you know partner with a technical person. So many people um, that are students, you know, have an idea, they learn how to code, and they build it. Um, and, and sometimes it's just the simple first version that gets you just enough money to hire that developer. Um, but, but that's fine. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is you don't need to be a math whiz or, or love science or, or equations or physics to code. It's much more like, uh, creative writing. So if you're a creative person and you can write, you know, then, then you might like coding.
1: Mm. Love it. Okay. Let's dive into the getting quite renowned. Now this 99 new conference talk you delivered Mm -hmm. uh, a little over a year ago titled begin with the end in mind. I absolutely love the practicality of that talk uh, for two reasons. Um, there are two things that resonated with me. One was that you had the audience envision going to their own funeral. Uh, imagining that point, uh, when they are dead basically, uh, and you go through a series of questions there. And the second was the poster you showed of all the dots. And I'm sure some of the listeners might have seen this themselves, but all the dots that represent the duration in time of an average life, uh, lifespan. And, uh, you break down, down the categories of that, which is cool, uh, I'd love to go through the first one. Can you break down the exercise for listeners to try Um, even, even a brief example um, you you can use um, in it? And I remember it starting with listing the people you love and care about in your life.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So the idea was uh, imagine, you know, the day that you die and uh, and those People are all at your funeral. um, And you kind of go through this mental exercise, and it really just clarifies wow, I I do not have forever here. Um, Because our death feels so far away. Um, It feels, you know, just ethereal and not real. And so when you go through this visualization exercise where you, you know, imagine yourself waking up in your bed and picturing things around you, and then you imagine yourself getting dressed and, and, and you try to smell the smells in your house and, and, and the the way the carpet feels or the, the floor feels, and, you know, you really kind of get people to go there. And and they're closing their eyes when they're doing this and and imagining it, and then you have them imagine they're going out to their car and and getting in their car or taking a bus or however they get around, and and then arriving at this place and they don't know where it is, but but everybody they love is there, and um and then they walk into this building and someone hands them a piece of paper and and they read it and it says, you know Ryan Carson's funeral, um and or, you know, or your funeral and, and the idea is, this is going to happen, you know? Um, and so what are we going to do today about that? Um, and so the idea of the talk was, uh, take, um, Tim Urban, uh, who wrote a blog called wait, but why it's amazing. Just Google wait, but why, um, he had made this poster of, of your whole life, um, uh, on one poster. And it was a, a dot for each week. And, and uh, the idea was, okay, so this is your whole life. And you know, okay, actually, it's worse, because your useful life is even smaller, you know, okay, so you were kind of an idiot teenager for a, a large chunk. <laughs> and then you were kind of learning and screwing up a lot for a chunk. And then you are now in your useful, you know, fully functional chunk. Um, where you have enough health and and wealth to achieve things. Uh, but then that ends, you know, you actually get older and your body starts breaking down. So, wow, you really don't have much time here. Um, so then I encourage everyone to take out a piece of paper and, and write down um, those people's names and say, okay, you know, those people at your funeral, what are you doing this week to actually... Strengthen your relationship with them, uh, or build something with them. You know, what are you doing about it? It doesn't matter if you're thinking about it. Um, and so, um, you kind of distill that reality down into action. Okay, what are you doing? What are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to call my mom, or I'm going to go out on a date with my wife, or I'm going to, um, you know, cuddle with my kids. You know, I, I'm going to do these things. Um, and so I still use this methodology today. Um, and uh I've changed the way it kind of works a little bit, but every day, you know, I'm I'm focused on on doing stuff that matters because I my mortality is very real to me.
1: Yeah. And I encourage everyone to watch the ninety-nine U conference talk uh with Ryan Carson. Uh it's got a lot of the supporting slides on there, uh, which which are super helpful. Um now continuing on this theme of time and productivity. What are the boundaries, I guess, in a way you've set for yourself? I know that you're a father of two children as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. On on top of being uh, super accomplished, as we've just heard, what does, you know, what does it mean to, you know, be able to clock off on time and, or, or, you know, if you, mm. if you've maybe even early, you know, let's, let's put that in quote unquote early, yeah. but, um, where, where does the compromise come in for you?
0: Well, so it's interesting cause we, um, at, uh, way back in time, we actually worked a lot less. So we only worked about 32 hours a week. Uh, and I did that for about 10 years. Um, so we started doing that in 2006 and and stopped doing that in 2016. Um because I I had this kind of belief that you could work a lot less and still achieve the same results. Um and I've actually changed my thinking around that. Um, and this is why. So, you know, like I said, I I believe in Treehouse's mission. I think it's going to make the world a better place. But something inside me believed that we were going to succeed because of that you know, we're doing something good and meaningful and important, therefore, eventually we'll win somehow, right, um, and you know, we've had trials and tribulations at Trios just like any company, and I think after a period of time, it just became clear to me that uh, that wasn't true. Um, no, just because we're doing something good does not mean that we are going to succeed. You know, it does not mean that people are going to know about us. Um, and I need to do something about it. And, uh, and you know, a lot of entrepreneurs seem to have, uh, the problem of working too much. Um, and they don't seem to have that problem, but I had the problem of not working enough. Um, and, and really work doing the, the, the boring, grindy, terrible kind of daily work. I somehow thought, I don't know, just things were going to happen. So, so I realized, okay, we need to work more reasonable. Hours here, so you know we switched to a forty-hour work week as a company, and and I personally started working a lot more. Um, so what I started doing is I started waking up at 4:30 a.m. and working from 4:30 a.m. to about 5:45, so I get about an hour and fifteen minutes of work in, and then I would work out, um, but for about forty-five minutes, um, and then and then my family wakes up, so at 6:30 um I go take coffee up to my wonderful wife in bed and we you know sort of sit for 30 minutes and talk and my kids come in and make a lot of noise and, <laughs> and try to cause trouble mm-hmm. um, and then you know we have breakfast and then I walk my kids to school at around 8 you know 25 8:30 um and then I come to the office sort of 8:50ish so and then I work from, you know, 8.59 solid to 6 p.m. Um, I, I I don't really take lunch. I mean, I kind of do, but I, I just kind of work as hard as I can. And then I stop working at 6. So, you know, I I drive home and, and then I try to be as present as I can with my family. Um, I really try hard not to be on my phone or I definitely am not on my computer. Um, you know, and I rarely work you know, later in the evening. Um, So I'm working probably 60 hours a week now, um, but I am not sacrificing a a minute of my time with my family. Um, So I I think that you can work hard and be a great father and a great husband or a great wife and a great mother. I I think you can do both, um, but you have to have a lot of discipline, you know, so you got to wake up early, You have to be super focused at work. You know, I have no time. Like I say, I like movies. I have no time to see movies now. Um, I mean, you know, The Last Jedi was the first movie I've seen in the theater in a long time. Um, Just because it's like, well, I'm not going to go during work time. Clearly, I'm not going to go during my family time. Clearly, I'm I'm waking up early and I'm working, so there's just no time. Um, Which I'm okay with. You know, it's like, okay, my family's first. Treehouse is second, and then my health is third. Um, And my health and treehouse, kind of, you know, I take care of them both. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I kind of look at it. I think you absolutely need to have daily discipline to do boring, grindy work, Um, and it nothing will happen without that. But at the same time, I don't believe that you need to sacrifice your relationships with your loved ones. Um, I think you can have both
1: yeah i I absolutely uh love what you said along the lines of just because you're doing something good for the world doesn't mean that uh you don't have to work just as hard for it you know as as anything yeah. else in a way um and also uh I'm glad that you mentioned what time you wake up the time allocations uh, as an example what you mentioned there in the morning things like that and um the hours spent. Uh, I think it's still important to, I guess, assess, right? How many hours you're spending in in all these things and to pivot if necessary. Um, And I guess where I'm coming from is I recently um, spoke to one of my personal trainer friends who said, um, I want you to audit your your, uh, day Mm -hmm. and basically just like how personal trainers tell their clients to have a diary and note down everything you ate. Mm. He was saying, you know, and I and I advise this to a lot of people as well, audit what you do in terms yeah. of time. And my goodness, you do that for seven days straight and you you're just gonna go, Really I watched that much time on Netflix? Or right. <laughs> I was scrolling so, yeah. through Instagram for for four and a half hours that week. Right. That's it's crazy. Right? Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's the majority now, you know?
0: Yep. Um, well, yeah. Well, yeah. And you have to be purposeful. <laughs> in a, and the other thing you have to do is you have to protect your, your calendar. So I, what I do is I, I basically, um, I plan a year in advance. So I say, okay, what, what are the most important things I need to get done in 2018? And usually that's, you know, four things. Four very high level things. Um, And then I actually create a Gantt chart um, based off of that. Okay, if I need to do those four things, then what needs to happen to get those things done? And I eventually kind of get down to literally, okay. This month, I'm going to be doing these things, um, and I, I do it about three months out. So you know, I, I know the big year goals, but then it's like, okay, what do I need to do in in the first three months of 2018? And eventually, I get to okay, it's pretty clear. You know, I'm going to be doing these things, so I need to go to my calendar and I need to block time to do those things. They're not going to magically happen, right? You know, and so I, I blocked my calendar uh, with you know the action, and then um, and then And then when I get to that day, I do that during that time. Right. And it it takes discipline because it's boring. Right. I'm like, oh, I got to do X, Y, Z again. You know, but it's like, well, if I don't do X, Y, Z again, then I'm never going to make my plans for 2018 happen. Um, And if I don't make my 2018 plans happen, I'm never going to, Treehouse is never going to succeed with a long-term vision. Like it's, you know, it's i gotta do this this year so that in five years we can be here, and then five years there we can be ten years for here and it's it's a it's a long term process so yeah um that's kind of connecting all that back down to okay like right now I need to you know stop doing that i need to start doing this
1: <laughs> discipline's um, huge i i actually um you just triggered a quote that popped in my head from uh a renowned writer, Neil Strauss, who's written a lot of stuff. Um, and he was on Tim Ferriss' new podcast, Tribe of Mentors. And he said this beautiful quote, and he said that successful people, um, sorry, he said, uh, I'm totally going to butcher this, but uh, something along the lines of um, successful people get successful by saying yes, all the time. Mm. But staying successful requires you to start saying no.
0: Yeah, a um, lot.
1: A lot. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, Im- it's yep. important that you, you know, you, you're tying in the calendar thing. Um, speaking of calendar, is there a to-do list app that you recommend?
0: Nope. I use a piece of paper. Right, there you go. So I hate to do list apps. <laughs> um, and the reason why, it's funny, I mean, I'm super digital, right? And and very technical. Um, but there, I didn't like the idea that, um, you know, tasks never really go away if they're digital. Um, they recur and they reappear and they, it's just, I don't know. So what I do is I look at that Gantt chart every day, and I figure out, okay, these are the things I need to be doing today at a high level. And then I put them in a, uh, a bullet journal style notebook. Um, and, uh, I use essentially the bullet journal, which is mm. uh, a methodology. You can Google it. Um, and that really, really works for me. Um, you know, I'm very focused cause it's like, if you're in your screen or on a screen, I think it's something about how we evolved. It's just really hard to stay focused, you know? So instead it's like, oh my gosh, I need to focus. I feel like my day is spinning out of control. I'm not doing what I need to do, stop. And I pull out my notebook and I focus. Okay, I'm supposed to be doing these things. Okay, get back to work, you know. Um, and then when I'm done, I, I X them out and it's the best thing ever. So yeah. um, it really works well. At Treehouse we use Asana for kind of company to-dos and that works great. It's a pretty cool tool. Um, but, but, uh, personally, I just love good old fashioned moleskin and, and bullet journal.
1: Amazing. Right. A few more questions for you, mate. Uh, any advice for those who are either starting out in their career or looking to transition into something new?
0: Um, I would say, um, try to think about the worst thing that can happen. And if it's, if it's not that bad, if, you know, if you're not gonna risk your loved one's lives or their safety, then maybe you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just dip your toe in the water and, and see how it goes.
1: Beautiful. A question I ask all my guests, if you could travel back in time for 30 seconds and speak to junior Ryan Carson, perhaps mm-hmm. the youngster finishing high school, what would you tell him?
0: Boy, I would say, um, Don't be afraid to try new things, but learn from people who have already done them. (laughs) So you don't have to repeat their mistakes.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, Huge fan of getting mentors. um, as, Mm. As many listeners know, uh, wrote my second book about it, how to get a mentor. So (laughs) it makes such a difference.
0: And that specific piece of advice is uh, as a CEO, I I have a CEO coach now, and it's been tremendously helpful. It's been transformative, you know, just because they help you spot your weaknesses and, and address them. They help you spot your strengths and strengthen them. And, and it's been transformative. I I just should have done that sooner. Um, But, you know, say la vie. Hmm.
1: Who has been an impactful giant thinker in your life? that person who has inspired you to think bigger and dig deeper in helping you reach your full potential?
0: Uh I would say it's my mom and my dad. <laughs> so awesome. you know, they, they're not perfect, but um without them and and them investing so much of their, you know, effort and time and, and money and love in me, I just it would it would be a lot harder to achieve what I've achieved. So I'm very thankful for my parents.
1: Yeah. And look, side note here, you know, no one's perfect for one. And secondly, uh, I think as we grow older, uh, I'm turning 30, 32 next year. Um, and you know, if that day comes that, you know, I have a family of my own. I think I'll be even more empathetic to, uh, the struggles and sacrifices that they made. So I uh, appreciate yeah. you bringing
0: them up. You you don't know until it's funny, like I totally didn't appreciate my parents like kids. <laughs> I feel yeah. so bad about that.
1: There so. you go. So Ryan, uh, this will be released in uh, 2018 at the beginning of, of uh, 2018. So what is next for you and everything you're involved in for 2018 and beyond?
0: So we have a very clear two-year vision that we've laid out, and so at Treehouse, and I'm going to be focusing like a laser on that. Um, And, you know, that that basically is involved in, you know, serving our students and making the business, you know, really, really strong and and achieving our mission. So going to be laser focused on that. Um, I'm also going to be working hard on uh, a show that I'm working on. Uh, It's called Educate Yourself. Uh, So we're we're, um, it's kind of neat. We're we're focusing the show very heavily on the idea of ordinary people who have done extraordinary things without a college degree. Mm. So, uh, if you're listening to this, um, Google educate yourself and, and please check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. So those are a couple of things that we focus on. Uh, I'm going to try to run at least three, three more Spartan races. Um, so getting those scheduled and I'm just trying to stay disciplined with my training and my eating habits. Um, if I think if I could, I would just eat sugar all day. So <laughs> I have to really focus to not do that. So um, those are a couple of things. I just want to be a good dad. I want to be patient with my kids. You know, I, I want to be, um, spend a lot of quality time with my wife. Um, so those are high level things. Fantastic,
1: Ryan. Thank you, mate, so much uh, for your time. Uh, you're someone I deeply respect and admire. And I wish you, your family and Treehouse continual
0: success. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you once again for choosing to hang out with me on the podcast. Feel free to reach out to Ryan if anything in particular resonated with you. I'm sure he would really appreciate that. And he's very responsive on Instagram. So make sure you say good day to him via his handle at Ryan Carson. A few quick things before you unplug. Firstly, if I may invite you, please leave a review of this podcast on iTunes. That's if you haven't done so already. I know it may seem time consuming, but that one minute of leaving one short review does go a long way in keeping the show going. The stronger the reviews, the more I can continue to connect with quality guests for everyone to learn from. So head to giantthinkers.com slash podcast review, or you can head to the blog post of this episode and I'll put the URL there. Secondly, a little teaser for our next guest. He is the founder and CEO of Win Without Pitching, which is the sales training and coaching organization for creative professionals. He is the author of the Win Without Pitching Manifesto and the brand new book titled Pricing Creativity, a guide to profit beyond the billable hour. This man has taught me and many thousands of creative people and businesses around the world on how to build a lucrative client base without having to pitch ideas for free. I'm excited for you to all hear this. So stay tuned. It'll be out very soon. For any questions regarding the podcast or anything at all, the best way to reach me is via Snapchat or Instagram. Send me a message. My handle is the giant thinker. Lastly, I'll leave you with a quote that I love from Ryan, who said, You absolutely need to have daily discipline to do grinding work. Nothing will happen without that. But at the same time, you don't need to sacrifice your relationships with your loved ones. You can have both.